the regressive remittance costs in Africa. From over 1,200 cities and 128 countries, Care Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Remittance flows in some African countries are higher than the volume of foreign direct investment, and yet, Sending remittances within Africa can attract a cost of between 15 to 20 percent. Dilip Radha from the World Bank talks about the highly regressive costs in the remittance sector. To 2022, remittances to developing countries, low and middle income countries, were $647 billion. And uh, uh, this year, they're likely to be larger than that, 2023. We will come out with a report in about two weeks' time. And uh, we just put together uh, some data on capital flows to developing countries, foreign direct investment and um, uh, portfolio equity bond flows, uh, syndicated bank lending. Private capital flows are down compared to 10 years ago by 33% almost. Remittance flows are uh, almost double in that time period. And remittance flows are now larger than the sum of foreign direct investment and ODA combined. And uh, we also know that smaller countries or more fragile countries or crisis-affected countries or those who are hit by natural disasters, they receive more money. Uh, Haiti or Tonga, uh, Somalia, Afghanistan, remittances to GDP ratios are in the range of about 40-50% of GDP. Remittance costs in those corridors are especially high. So the point that Tito mentioned about remittance costs being kind of regressive they're highly regressive. In the large corridors like GCC countries to, let's say, South Asia, India in particular, costs are lower. Singapore to Philippines costs are some of the lowest. But sending money from north to, let's say, anywhere from, the, from Europe or the U.S. to sub-Saharan Africa, it is among the highest cost, more than 8% on average. Two-thirds of migrants in sub-Saharan Africa, international migrants, are within sub-Saharan Africa, meaning that intra-regional Remittances within sub-Saharan Africa are very high. Uh, and the cost of sending money within Africa can be as high as 15 or 20%. Often that has to go through two currency conversions. And currency conversion is an additional dimension to costs on top of the fees that are charged by the Remtex or the remittance service providers. Banks are more expensive, we know that. Money transfer companies, they would say they're very cheap, but they don't realize often or sometimes they also mislead us that they are collecting the fee in terms of foreign exchange uh, markups. That is highly regressive. And a quick look at the markets. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange or Share Index fell nearly 1% to around 74,200, following a three-day surge driven by optimism regarding the possible conclusion of the Fed's tightening cycle and eventual cut. The decline is linked to profit-taking and investor scrutiny of recent Chinese data, highlighting ongoing weaknesses in the property sector, which poses a risk to the recovery of the world's second-largest economy. Meanwhile, traders continued monitoring more economic data and corporate earnings. South African lender Investec reported half-year profit up 15.3%, led by increased loan volumes, corporate deposits and funds under management. Among individual stocks, Life Healthcare Group was the worst performer, along with Goldfields and Africa Rainbow Minerals, while Telcom outperformed. 
And a quick trip around Africa, the uninflation rate in Somalia picked up to 6.2% in October, the highest since June after three consecutive months of drops. Upward pressure came mostly from the prices of communication, tobacco and narcotics, especially narcotics such as Mira, housing and utilities, on account of electricity and clothing and footwear. Meanwhile, prices continue to decline for food and non-alcoholic beverages, notably oils and fats. On a monthly basis, consumer prices rose by 0.67% in October, following a 0.05 uptake in the prior month. IMF staff and the Kenyan authorities have reached a staff-level argument on economic policies and reforms to conclude the sixth reviews and augmentation of Kenya's ECF and EFF arrangements, the first review under the Resilience and Sustainability Facility and the 2023 Article 4 consultation. Performance with respect to the program's targets and reform objectives remain broadly in line with the program objectives. IMF says further policy actions will be needed to help rebuild buffers, curb inflation and rising debt vulnerabilities and strengthen the economy's ability to withstand external shocks. In Malawi, the IMF discussed the second and last review of the staff monitored program with executive board involvement and approved a 48-month arrangement under the extended credit facility for Malawi in an amount equivalent to SDR 131.86 million, equivalent to about 175 million US dollars with an immediate disbursement of 35 million US dollars. Malawi continues to face a challenging macroeconomic environment, years of unsustainable domestic and external borrowing, and the adverse impact of multiple external shocks have resulted in the widening of macroeconomic imbalances, including protracted balance of payment needs. The IMF says the EFC-supported program will support the authority's macroeconomic adjustment and reform agenda aimed at restoring macroeconomic stability, building a foundation for inclusive and sustainable growth, and also addressing weaknesses in governance. As the world moves to tackle climate change and transition to a more renewable energy, Africa, including Nigeria, will need between $22.6 to $30 billion annually to fill the energy financing gap. This is even as Nigeria said it will continue to explore Islamic financing tools such as Sukuk to tap into local and international investments. This was disclosed at the 6th African International Conference on Islamic Finance dug towards a just transition and organized by the Metropolitan Law Firm and the Metropolitan Skills in collaboration with the African Finance Corporation and Securities and Exchange Commission. Speaking at the opening, the convener and conference chair, Umahani Amin, said Just Transition requires mobilization of climate funds for vulnerable African countries facing the harsh reality of climate change, such as increasing mortality, human displacement and migration, among other impacts. Ms. Amin, who is a founder of Metropolitan Law Firm, lamented, that there are systematic structured deficiencies that continue to inhibit the just transition process in Africa. She listed them to include limited private sector participation, increased debt vulnerability of the African countries, and lack of transparency and accountability in financial flows, among others. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit the website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at with the dome.